0: and welcome back to the Thoughtful Christianity podcast. I'm Jay Broom and I'm Josh Starr and we're here this week to bring you guys another episode a little late, a little late. Um, you know, life gets busy even in Mm. coronavirus lockdown. So yeah. Um, you know, but you know, our, our schedule, uh, this is our show and, uh, We'll do as we darn well please. So you'll get it.
1: At what, you'll get it whatever time we give it to That's you. That's right. Is what Jay is saying. Um,
0: this is not a democracy.
1: Um, <laughs> so yeah, Jay. Jay, when I, I was the one basically for why we were delayed, and and Jay told me, and I'll keep, I'll treasure it to this day and forever is this is our podcast. We make the rules. So Something, there yeah. you have it, folks. This is this is our podcast. We make the rules.
0: The benevolent dictators that we are. Um,
1: <laughs> so regardless, um, yeah, Josh was busy
0: hanging out at the beach. Um, really taxing. That's true. Um <laughs> yes. I was drained. Super busy. Um, so Josh, what's going on? Uh um.
1: Not much. I don't know. Evidently. Yeah, not much. I am I'm back at the house. Things are starting to Get busy again, I guess. Um, can't say that I love that. Uh, I I did pretty well for myself in quarantine when we didn't have events to attend. But I, I you know, I'm, I'm looking forward, I guess, to being out with people. The
0: burdens Maybe. and social obligations, man. What a what a rough mm-hmm. one.
1: Yeah, it's a struggle. Yeah, all the all the introverts are they're with me. They get it. I don't know. I see. I used to think. I I'm starting to rethink
0: that. I'm as much of an introvert as I once thought. It's because there's a lot of
1: bad ideas of what introvert is. Perhaps um, mm-hmm. we could talk about that. I, actually, that's on the list. Uh, so maybe one day we'll talk about personality yeah, right uh, after
0: the Enneagram series.
1: <laughs> yes, as we go through each one, um, and and put a biblical character to each one. Of course, that's right, right. Well, a biblical <laughs>
0: character, and then Jesus for everyone too. Because
1: yes, because Jesus is all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus assumed my enneagram type to save me personally. What a guy! That's a church history joke for you, uh, you who love the Greek fathers. Yeah, that even went so, way so over. Probably just me. That went
0: way over my head. So you know, I don't know who is out there listening that might be chuckling, but props to them.
1: Shout out to my boy Gregory of Nisa.
0: <laughs> all righty. Well, all jokes aside, we're here to talk to you all today about.
1: Another Sola, Sola Mm. Gratia. Gratia, yes. Um, But before we do that, Jay, I think one thing that'd be really helpful, yeah, is for us to just talk about more generally why we're doing this. Um, One thing that I've noticed, and, and I've enjoyed the last two podcasts, Sola Scriptura and Sola Fide, is that because the way that we usually run the podcast, right? So we choose a topic every week and then we study it during that week. Is that for something where we're doing a series? Maybe we're not. We don't end up emphasizing the whole as much as we ought to. Uh, and so I think that it's important for us to just start back now for for those who have been listening and maybe those who this is your first one. Uh, which thank you and welcome. Uh, let's just talk for a moment about the five solas as a whole. Um, Jay, why are we doing this series?
0: So we're, we're doing this for several reasons. Primarily, we can look at the solas as essential truths about salvation. So that's obviously pretty paramount to the Christian faith. So we're doing this for a better understanding, perhaps, of the audience. Uh, that might not be familiar with them, right? Uh, we're we're using these as touchstones to unpack each topic to go into depth to show the the scriptural foundations of them and kind of how they apply to us today and how these affect our lives as Christians. So I think that's a big reason. What what else? Yeah. What else is on your mind?
1: Well well I like that you said that because that was my reason for kind of feeling a little bit off about the last two was that we didn't emphasize what the souls were all about which is salvation like you said you know we I want us to to be very clear at the beginning of this podcast to just say these are not just five doctrinal points that Protestants once held like this is a Protestant explanation of how one is to be saved uh just to briefly and not these aren't spoilers I don't think you know what? What we're saying as a whole is that you, that Christ alone accomplished salvation. That we are given it by grace alone. We receive it by faith alone. Christ's salva- salvation as a whole is to the glory of God alone, and we know of it according to the truth which is in Scripture alone. You know, like we have. I, Jay, I just want us to like seat our listeners and our own conversation on that. Is we are talking about salvation? You know, so I'm. I'm glad you mentioned it. Sorry, I just uh, grabbed it and went running for a while. But um, you mentioned a few others that we're thinking about. I know that one thing that you that we've ended up doing a lot more than we. I, at least I thought, I don't know if you were planning this, is we've delved into historically Catholic beliefs. Uh, and maybe I should have expected that, considering it is the five solas of the Reformation, but I really didn't. Uh, but it's it's been an interesting conversation. So, Jay, like what, how is that beneficial? Well, it lets us understand
0: what we mean by the term Protestant. We distinguish mm-hmm. ourselves amongst maybe the under the broad umbrella of Christendom uh, what it looks like when we say, well, we're we're Protestants, what we're protesting. Yeah. And just kind of that foundational understanding of some of the overarching things that you believe that sets you apart from other groups so that you can understand better where other people are coming from and where you differ and perhaps the importance of those differences because we don't, there's a reason we don't fellowship with these people in church.
1: Yeah. That's a really
0: good point. That's pretty significant. Like I won't go to church with you is not just like, you know, uh, we don't live close to each other or something like that necessarily. It's Mm. like we have, we have separate churches because even though we might be, you know, worshiping the same God, we can't, Worship him together
1: in a sense. Yeah. Um, We have very different convictions on what it looks like to worship God. I think that's a great point, man. That's a really, really good point is that there is a larger divide than I think many uh, hold to, you know, because I don't know if you've heard this. But when I've mentioned before, maybe even in passing or in jokes, which maybe I shouldn't have joked uh, about the difference between Protestants and Catholics. I often will get kind of either blank stares or kind of uncomfortable looks of like, we worship the same God. Like our differences are not that big as if the difference between a Catholic and a Baptist are the same as the difference between a Baptist and a Presbyterian, you know, within Protestantism, there's a lot more unity than between Protestant and Catholic. So yeah, I I really appreciate that we're able to look at this kind of stuff. Uh, Maybe we should do this more uh, fleshed out one day, but. For now, it's been helpful for me, at least. And it's not that we seek out division, but yeah. we also,
0: in a sense, it is necessary because we, it shows the severity with which we, and the gravity which we attach to God's word.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: Right? I mean, we, we yeah, don't do it I, trivially. Uh, we think this is what the Bible says, and if you disagree, then we can't, there has to be some degree of separation. Not because I don't like you, but because
1: I like God's words even better. (laughs) Exactly. And I mean, I've run into this. The main way I've run into this is I've known not just one, but several and even seen online uh, in the reformed pub, which Jay, we we both maybe ashamedly uh, are, are on. I've had to get off Facebook for the past week. But after you told me that I deleted my Facebook too, just to let you know. It's
0: uh yeah. Uh Reform Pub is good. Not the we Reform
1: Pub is not good sometimes. <laughs> Amen. But what, what I was I guess getting at was that I've seen and heard so many situations where a Catholic and a Protestant are getting married. And it's only then that many people realize how different they are, right? through the dating period, it's all nice. Man, they love Jesus. I love Jesus. But then it gets to, all right, our lives are going to be united. What do you believe about all of these things that you really see? Man, like there are some serious issues and I they're worth talking about. So again, what do we do in thoughtful Christianity? We take a topic and we just really want to roll it out as far as we can in in just thinking about it and 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 kind of being able to comprehend as much as we can about it. Um, but
0: wait, aren't you guys intellectualizing the faith too much?
1: I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> Jay, that is that is that 20 podcasts where you don't speak at all and I just yell into the microphone without ceasing. No words, just screaming. Or maybe it'll be a podcast soon. You, dear listeners, maybe you'll find that. Uh, but no, no, it is not. Intellectualizing the faith is not actually that big of a danger compared to simplifying it. Mm. So with that, uh, on that light note, <laughs> that many make a molehill. Yes. On that light note, let us finally get into our topic. You might be wondering, is this about the Sol- Sola Is that a, this about you guys chatting about whatever? methodologies of podcasting. Uh, So let's get into it. Jay, the question that our dear listeners who are maybe five, maybe 10, maybe one, you guys know it. It's our favorite first question. What in the world is grace? What does
0: that mean? You're right. Um, What does it mean? So um, we were talking, as we often do before these podcasts, and I was mentioning how this is one of those topics that... I feel like I've heard so much about, right? And so I have a nice, concise little uh, phrase <laughs> for it. And it is, grace is unmerited favor. Mm, mm. clutch. Love it. Unmerited uh, as in that I don't earn it or I don't deserve it. And it is, mm-hmm. and thus it is a favor. It's something given to me. Something that I do not deserve. Like if given
1: that I do not mm-hmm. deserve. Uh, so Jay, I'll take it a little further. I also have been taught that grace is unmerited favor as, as probably a lot of people have, but you know, I was actually not taught that grace alone. <gasps> I was taught that definition in conjunction with the definition for mercy. Grace is a, a unmerited favor. Uh, grace is actually, no, it's not. It's different. I didn't realize it was different. Sorry. Grace is you getting what you don't deserve and mercy is you not getting what you do deserve. Uh, So maybe that's helpful as well. I don't know. That's just what I was taught. Uh, Who knows by who? Shout out to literally anyone in my childhood for possibly teaching me that. Um, Yeah, so grace is unmerited favor. It is getting something that you do not deserve. Do you think that most Christians... Know that and understand that. I know that's a weird question. I don't know. I think it is. It is a, an answer. You know, it,
0: they could circle the multiple choice answer on the test. Yeah, the depth and the maybe emotional response that that
1: should merit for many Christians. I don't think is there.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, because I, I asked that question because in college you know, one of my mentors, I feel like I mention him all the time. So he's not going to get a shout out today. Sorry, Sean. Oh, there he goes. Uh, Like he was looking at my life, trying to help me grow in my faith, watering, uh, you know, just doing the God given work of mentoring. And I feel like there was a moment where he just realized like, Oh, you don't understand grace at all. Like, do you even know what that means? Uh, And after a heavy long explanation, where, where I really kind of was like, oh, wow, like, I knew this, but like you said, like, I didn't know it. I didn't perceive it. I didn't understand the reality of it. So I don't know. I, I think this is an important topic apart from the history, apart from the solas, just even saying, like, Christian, you must know grace or you will not ever be happy in the faith. Uh, I'm excited we're talking about this. So... That is what grace is, right? Unmerited favor, getting what you don't deserve. Well, how do we walk that out? What does it mean for it to be put into the solas? What does it mean that grace is alone, Jay?
0: We say, when we talk about grace alone, we talk about that, as we've said, in the terms of salvation. So salvation is by grace grace alone. There is no other factors in the
1: equation apart from grace. That's what we mean. So, yeah. So let's walk that out in a text, shall we? Uh, I remember when we did our Lord's Supper discussion uh, on virtual communion, you said afterwards that us just working through a passage was one of your favorite things we did. And so I'm excited to get a, a rerun on that. And Let's go to Ephesians 2, Jay, and let's just work it out together. Shall so, we?
0: yes. Um, so for all those playing along at home, um, we are in Ephesians yeah, chapter 2. Particularly, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10 throughout the entire podcast, I think, uh, with you know yeah. various other references perhaps sprinkled in there. But Ephesians 2 is where we're going to be camping out. Because, I mean, this... Um, this passage in particular is pretty much tailor-made uh, for what we're saying here, um, or maybe the other way around. What we're saying here <laughs> comes directly from this and is very well illustrated in this section.
1: Um, oh, absolutely. So why don't we read through the whole thing first? Uh, can I do that? Certainly. So Ephesians two one, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Great passage, such a good passage. You know,
0: uh, I don't know if this is a you know a class you guys take at seminary or what, but you definitely got the the inflection and the the way you read, with you emphasize the right words. Man, they they uh it, get me in that
1: class. Thank you. It uh it's from listening to some of the best like readers I've heard. Are MacArthur does a great job, and R. C. Sproul and D. A. Carson. So I like I've listened to them and thought, wow, they emphasize so well with their voice. So shout out to them. Yeah, and it's cause I think it's not it's it's a
0: it's something that takes some some practice, right? Or like you have to be familiar with the text, right? To to know yeah. like what's gonna like what's coming and what's being said and like
1: where the emphasis lies on which words so and it's something that like i i intentionally worked on because i think it does matter Mm -hmm. um because you know we're reading god's word and therefore what's coming out of our mouths is literally a description of reality and it's an amazing reality so like I, i i don't know this is a Tangent, But I mean, I think we all should work on being better readers of the text, even out loud, um, because that's how it was originally intended to be read for many people. Uh, so that deviation, but really cool one apart. Uh, what does this text tell us about Grace Alone? It tells us that it is, in fact, by Grace Alone. <laughs> Great. OK, we're done. Pack it up. Boom. So no, now, let's, let's wait. <laughs> Yeah, let's look at it. So, starting with Ephesians two one, and you were dead in the trespasses of and sins, um, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were, by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Now, somebody who's who has who has a very narrow focus on grace alone might say. That's not the part that talks about grace alone. And they'd be right. You're right, yes. But this is essential, right? This is so essential to understanding what Protestants mean by grace alone. Uh, and it all centers around that word dead, doesn't it, Jay? It really does. I think
0: this is a textbook example of, you know, the re- perhaps the reason why we have so many songs we sing in church about grace.
1: Mm. Yeah, so... What does it mean to be dead in trespasses? I mean does that mean that like we're all zombies walking around? by the way, a real thing that people have, who who have a very different view of this have accused us of is oh you guys are all believe we're all zombies. you're all walking around dead. Uh, so what does it even mean to be dead in trespasses? So this um, I guess is you know very succinctly summarized by
0: the doctrine of total depravity or total inability. Mm-hmm. The idea that we, as humans in our sinful state, are—we don't—we don't seek after God. We don't, you know, we, we, we don't have—we're we're, not—we're not seeking seeking God and you know stumbling around in the dark for Him. It's like we're, we're, we're like rebellious. We don't want to have anything to do with Him. We're not interested. We're not going
1: you know, to try Him. Maybe um, it's opposition. Mm. That's a good word, opposition, right? Sometimes I think we can get into this habit of viewing ourselves when we were unsaved as neutral towards God. When the Bible actually, whether or not you feel that you were neutral or not, the Bible teaches us that we were enemies, that we were hostile, um, that by denying the existence of God or his grace towards us, we are haters of God. So, I mean, I, I think you're right on that this dead here teaches us that, hey, y- you as a state were not looking for salvation in the Lord. You know, and God was just hiding from you, you were opposed to salvation in the Lord. Yes, I gosh, the the point you make
0: about neutrality is such an important one because not to derail us too much here, but like there are so many people out there that are you know, free thinkers, uh, or something along those lines that, you know, uh, aren't necessarily on their face, like, you know, hostile to the Christian message, right? Like, oh yeah, you know, uh, I think religion is a, uh, you know, I think it's probably, it's it's a good thing, right? Because the moral teachings and things like that. Right. But I, you know, I just, I just don't know. Like, I can't know if there's a God. Um, and that's not to dismiss these inquiries. I mean, I think that's... Yeah. realistic. Mean, We'd rather you be thinking. Yeah. Um, you know? But again, like you were also saying earlier, when you speak God's word, you're speaking reality. And so... Yeah.
1: The Bible is... Not speaking reality into existence. Yes. Is it, we're not naming it. Sorry. Just had to say that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, so... But we we're, we're, again we're not the bible is not a uh, it's not exposing theories of human psychology or sociology right yeah. it, it's it's saying the it, it's it's the truth and so yeah when we read the Bible and it tells us about unbelievers, I believe what the Bible says about unbelievers more than I believe what unbelievers say about themselves so yeah um, Good point. that's something that I think is important to remember especially when in I terms think- of salvation.
1: An evangelism, maybe taking, yeah, maybe taking a cosmic view, because I know I can understand. So if you as a as a listener or anybody is like, wait, you're saying that, like, just because I don't believe in God or just because I once didn't believe in God, I was a hater of God, that I was his enemy. So I think, like, that's a natural response, especially since uh, I feel like I mentioned it so much. And it's such an anticlimactic story. But I might, I might have told you. Uh, that for years I sat at in Liberty's bookstore, uh, in, in Liberty's library, and looked at the title of a book and thought, man, this is an amazing title and never read it. And it's, uh, why do dead men do great things? You know, <laughs> so I, I understand that, like that sympathetic kind of view of like, man, like are you, we're not haters of God. Uh, so all that to say, let's look cosmically, you as a human being were created by God. Humans are not a established reality, they're a dependent reality. Humans don't have any right to exist. God created them and intended them to worship him, to serve him, to be obedient. And this passage says that you followed the course of this world, I meaning you followed human understanding. You rejected God's understanding, the one who made you and you accepted worldly wisdom, you accepted the path that the world says to take, not only that, but you followed the prince of the power of the air. So God is almighty. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnibenevolent. He's all good in all grace. And you instead side with the puny rebel angel instead of the mighty God. And not only that, but now you are his son. You say, no, I'm not a son of God. I'm not a a, a, an, a creation of the Father. I'm going to be a son of this puny rebel angel who is inevitably going to be destroyed. Uh, and now we walk, we uh, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, we say, you know what? Whatever my body tells me is right, that's right. Not what the guy who made my body tells me. Uh, we are by nature Children of wrath. So I think cosmically, we all understand, oh, anything less than full on trust and obedience to his Lord is hateful, foolish, disrespectful, and yeah, disrespectful, offensive to God. Uh, you know, like this passage gives us no leeway. Yeah. It says that we were lost. And it also says, verse
0: three, among whom we all yeah all once lived and i and that's not talking even though we know it is prescriptive of all of humanity right it's just among whom we all once lived as in all christians started out in this yeah. state right you're uh um, yeah yeah you, you you're, you're not special
1: uh as much as you might think <laughs> no you weren't born saved you were never born neutral right we were by nature children of wrath and look at the comparison like the rest of mankind so he is jay you're right on he's explicitly talking about christians being rooted in this world you were dead we all once lived like we once walked you once walked like this is christians christian you were a hater of god until you were saved so jay that's i mean when we say total depravity uh obviously oh no that's a Catholic, a, a calvinist doctrine uh scary for a lot of us but what we're arguing by total, total depravity is you were following the course of the world and following Satan. And therefore, there was nothing in you that wished to follow God. Therefore, salvation is not something that arises out of the mind of an unregenerate person. But I've heard people preach. Uh, actually, Martin Lloyd-Jones is famous for preaching multiple. I want to say it's over 10 sermons on the word but in Ephesians 2.4. Uh, just the words but God so uh, let's give a shout out man uh, it's just such a wonderful truth Jay I mean what relief it is to hear but God uh, in in such a context
0: oh undoubtedly and again it is the the hinge upon which this passage turns we mm-hmm. because yeah verses one through four are pretty bleak and you know it, it's again it's it's an open and shut case without any interference. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a closed system. There's no light. It's all darkness, but God,
1: but God, and here's where we, we get to grace alone, right? But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Jay, I really like, uh, in your definition of grace, unmerited favor, that you focused on those two words separately, right? You said unmerited, meaning that you didn't deserve it and favor, meaning it's God's initiative. God did, God acted. Um, What we see in this text is the favor part, right? And also unmerited Uh, because of the, so we were all of these things, haters of God, dead in our sins, not looking for God, rejecting truth, you're suppressing truth. That's Romans one uh, through three. If you're really interested, but God, in light of this, is rich in mercy and loves us with a great love. I mean, what a what a wonderful place to to even start understanding grace. Is that grace alone says you didn't in anywhere in any way uh, earn God's Favor, God of His own initiative, out of His own mercy and out of His own love, made an action. And
0: I mean, just to think about what it means. I mean, you. What what was your final definition of mercy earlier?
1: Uh, Mercy is not getting what you do, in fact, deserve.
0: So it says in verse four that that's what God is rich in. Mm. In. You not getting what you deserve, and I think we can draw a pretty clear line to what we deserve based on verse one through four in this passage, right? Um, as children of wrath, it's pretty obvious what we deserve, um, but kind of rich, right? And I—that's I, like I was trying to think about like what that really looks like, like rich, like this dude has got like the biggest thing about rich people, right. And their opulence, like the people that live in uh, Saudi Arabia make a lot of money off oil. Right. And they have these huge Mm -hmm. yachts and fancy cars. And it's like, you know, money is no object, right. There's, and
1: like, that's how we think about God in mercy. Yeah. And that, that same word for rich uh, Plutus, or I think it's um, in a different conjugation, but Plutus, rich, uh, is also used in one seven, where it says, uh, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. And I actually really like lavished upon us because you were asking, like, what does it look like for God to be rich? It's that he can pour and pour and pour his mercy and his grace, and he doesn't run out of it. His mercy doesn't run dry and neither does his grace. Like a trust fund kid, right?
0: Mm, that never exactly. has to work because their dad just got so much money they can just support their lifestyle.
1: And any time that he spends and spends and you say, man, that – he's spending it on all of these things. Isn't he going to run out? Like, no. Somehow there's always more. Um somehow there's always more mercy and more grace for us. Uh, and why? Because of the great love with which he loved us. So, I mean, I think we see in verse four specifically God's initiative. I mean, even Catholics. So, I mean, again, we're, we're the solas are rooted in a question of Protestant versus Catholic. Even Catholics are always going to rest here and say God is taking the initiative. We'll see maybe if, if it comes up how maybe they they don't agree on after that, but Christians believe that God took the initiative uh, and that's an amazing truth you, you don't search out nirvana, you don't you don't uh trying to appease the gods God seeing you not appeasing him, offending him took initiative. I don't know. I mean, we could even not move on and I would just still be stuck here amazed at that. Yeah. I mean, in verse five, we must move on. Don't verse we?
0: Five, I mean, underscores that more fully, right? Like it, it wasn't after we showed some promise, right? Yeah. He, he didn't do this after we, we met him halfway. It's like when we were dead in our trespasses. So, you know, again, he, he, he didn't look, Add this and say, "Well, you've shown some some improvement and upward trend in mm-hmm. your behavior. We're going to let you out early on good behavior, right?" Like that's that 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 was not the instance, but no, again, fully initiative taken by him, uh, even despite our unwillingness.
1: Yeah, and can I say something maybe a little controversial? Do it. I'm going to do it anyways. Do it. I mean, thank you for giving me permission, but for those of our, our brothers and sisters, and I use that term importantly to mean. This is an in-house discussion, but our brothers and sisters who think that God chose to give grace to those he saw responding well, show like, so, oh, like, I'm saved because God saw that I would be saved and therefore saved me. That undermines this passage and so many passages like it where the emphasis isn't that we, in a, the right situation, would make the right call. The emphasis is in every situation we make the wrong call, and God saves us in spite. So uh, that's a that's a really important conversation to have. But just like something to think about, if you fall in that category where you you think that foreknowledge really is the determining factor, He knew I was going to be saved. Uh, he knew I would react well, and so He saved me. That is not the emphasis in this passage. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, Romans 5, 8, a God who is rich in mercy. Uh, actually, that that's this one <laughs> uh, four. sorry, Ephesians 2, 4, but Romans 5, 8. I want to flip there because I don't like getting passages wrong. Oh, it is still. But God shows his love for us in what? In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the amazing truth. Um, so controversial statement aside, let's, let's go ahead and move on, Jay. So we talked about initiative. What else do we see in this passage? We're Well, to continue with verse five, it says, uh, even when we were dead in
0: our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, mm-hmm. you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus.
1: Mm. That is great news, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's amazing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, even like, let's look at two five, right? Yeah. So we've seen the initiative of God, and I think we've already said most of it, but just to reiterate that us dead in our sins are, is made alive. God doesn't offer us a livingness and us in our death say yes, and then become alive. We are made alive. And that's essentially part of what we're getting at with grace saves us, is that we didn't by any work make ourselves saved make ourselves alive, regenerate ourselves. Instead, the passage clearly teaches grace alone, that you are saved by God, not by works. Not even, faith is not said to save us. Faith is not even said to, to, faith is a receiving organ, right? That Luther quote, but man, here we see perfectly you are dead and you are made alive with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And
0: I think it's important to talk about here the idea of being made alive together with Christ. Like this is the implications of this for Jesus's death on the cross are significant. This Mm. teaches that when Christ died on the cross, that he did not make salvation possible he secured salvation; mm. the work was completely done there. This, and this, I think, is the important thing to point out because it's not immediately obvious. But this is a logical conclusion of the way some uh, of our brothers and sisters—again, a term of endearment—will um, view salvation, right? Because, and we're going to get into this more, so I don't want to get too much into it. But the idea that <laughs> when you think that it's not sola gratia when you think when you don't think that it's grace alone, you really do cheapen Christ on the cross mm. because yeah. you say that oh well Christ made salvation possible, I, mm. I, I, I I don't think that's what Bible teaches at all. I think no. he secured salvation in his death and resurrection that it was all of it was accomplished there.
1: So, and then it was applied by grace, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Christ, we're going to talk about that next week, right? Is Christ alone, which is going to be very fun because I mean, is the central truth is Christ alone. Um, But yeah, we are, we are made alive together with Christ. It's not that something new happens it's that we are united to christ in his death and in his resurrection and man that might be a great podcast topic in itself is looking at the idea of union with christ if you're looking to understand salvation that is maybe the most important way to understand it oh man so let's
0: i just want to say the long thing go right here because i was reading knowing god which was a christmas present from another than josh here a couple of years ago um boop, boop. and oh gosh it's is it it's somewhere in Romans, probably Romans 8, because, of course, where it talks about being co-heirs with Christ. Yeah. yeah. And, like, really thinking about that, like, as in, like, co-heirs. As in, like, there's some some level of equivalence between Christ and I in God's inheritance to us as his children. That is... Yeah. If, if you're listening, like, I would very much consider taking a few minutes to really think through that in your mind. Um, Because that is
1: a really, really powerful truth. Yeah. And that's, that's maybe the problem with this podcast right now is that every single thing that we've said in the podcast (laughs) from the time we started Ephesians 2, every sentence, maybe even every few phrases has been like, oh, Josh, you need to sit down with that truth for an hour and just think about it because it's amazing, but we have to move on. Right. So, so I mean, this, these are amazing things. You should stop the podcast and think about these things Uh, and continue of course after, but like, man, this is, there's a reason we sing amazing grace. There's a reason why Mark repeats over and over and over again. And they were amazed because this is an amazing truth, this is an amazing gospel. But we do have to move on. Um, Jay, you read through two six through. Uh, I went up to eight, eight, I believe. So if
0: you want to yeah. keep going
1: on on eight. Well, there's actually a point that I want to make here, because and this will be essentially part of where the Protestants and the Catholics deviated, and to this day deviate, and that is that the protestant belief is that grace has accomplished it all. So Christ, like Jay said, Christ's sacrifice accomplished full salvation, and grace applies full salvation. So we believe in imputation. That's a and Jay before you can even call me on that, let me explain. Imputation is the idea that Christ lived an entirely perfectly righteous life and imputed to us his righteousness. That's how we're justified. How do we stand before God and not get zapped righteously into hell? Christ's righteousness is what we have in our account, and that is by grace. Direct deposit, baby. Yeah, and so look at this passage. What does grace earn for us? What does it mean for grace to have saved us? And again, all past tense, note that. Verse 6, well, actually, verse 5, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness. To quote Paul earlier in Ephesians, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with what? What has grace earned us immediately and fully? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And he walks it through it, you know, predestination, adoption. Uh, He has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption, forgiveness, according to the riches of grace. We know the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he has set forth in Christ. Right. We have everything. And again, that's where we would probably deviate from our Catholic brothers and sisters if they are brothers and sisters, is if you have this conception, which Catholics had for historically, and if you follow their catechism, still do, they have this idea that Christ infuses us with grace. So we are given grace in doses, like medicine, and that is, and we live out that grace in obedience, and there is the meritorious work. And so we're going to disagree. We're going to say, no, I was made alive with Christ. And I have been raised up with him and I am seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I have full access in the grace that I stand, which is to quote Romans five. So that's just a little bit of, of where, where did the five solas, where did, where did Sola Gratia really come from? Is this rejection of infused grace, right? That happens over time and we live it out and instead accepting imputed grace, uh, not imputed grace, but imputed righteousness that one through grace, we are immediately brought into the presence of God, and nothing can shake us from it. So, Jay, let's go to the maybe the most important thing to say, which is two, eight through nine. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Uh honestly, is that kind of summary? Does that really establish much new information? I guess it does with the not a result of works. But in general, I feel like all of this has been established in the passage, but it's a really, really good summary. It is. And it's, I mean, just a classic verse that, you know,
0: Christians go to, especially for things like evangelism, right? Because it Mm -hmm. is such a good little little kernel of truth, right? That is Mm -hmm. nicely and succinctly written that expresses a lot of, you know,
1: foundational truths. Yeah, I mean, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And if you're wondering how the two solas, sola fide and sola gratia uh, go together, it's essentially in that. How, uh, how were you saved? By grace. Through what means? Through faith. So by grace, through faith. Uh, and what are we supposed to learn from that? It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. What a powerful passage, Jay. Man, I'm I don't even care if this podcast gets published or put out there. You know, who cares about that? This was just a treat to get to go through this with you. Yeah. But since we have a little bit of time left, why don't we address one last question? So for the uh, for the Protestants in the room, and probably for many Catholics uh who, who may not agree with the, the catechism or the council of Trent, you've heard this your entire life. Of course, I'm saved by grace. Yeah, of course, it's not by works. I've accepted it, like Jay and I both said. Like this is something that many Christians grow up with, but but really, it doesn't work its way out in their lives in any way. So the question I want to pose, Jay, is how does this affect my life? Wow. Do you have any thoughts?
0: Yes. Um. Of course. So
1: I think the
0: the big thing again uh, is when you come to a full understanding of grace and I guess fundamentally understanding. So this was a big thing in my life. When I understood, we talked about earlier, the idea of being dead, not re you mean not. not, And the the classic question is what do dead men do? Mm. They stink. And that's about it. Um, (laughs) They, they, you know, they don't, they don't reach for God. Um, And so when you understand that, and then you let that frame your view of grace. It's a game changer. Again, I I, I grew up being taught this understanding of grace, and <laughs> I, I used this analogy with Josh before we started. So this is not. Uh-oh. I'm not thinking off the cuff here, but I promise I am this funny, which is not. I'm not. <laughs> um, but yeah, you. I, I kind of thought like you know, like oh, like you know, grace. Yeah, sure. Like it's it's like you know one of those gift card birthday presents you get from like some family member that you never see that you were just like, Oh, Hey, like this is a nice little surprise, but you know, it's like a $25 gift. It's like a $10 gift card to Amazon or, uh, iTunes, I guess, which is dates me. But, um, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like it, it was like, Hey, this is great, but this isn't changing my, uh, economic fortunes in any big way. You know, like this isn't, But no, like when you understand uh, what grace is like that, it's again, you're rebellious toward God. You don't like him. You don't have anything to do with him. You just you're opposed to him. And when he grabbed you, kicking and screaming and says, no, you're coming with me. Wow. Like, and again, the idea that it's not because he looked at my future and saw that I was going to respond well, and then I was going to go on to do all these good things for him and honor him like this. None of that, right? Because that, those are all grounds for boasting, which like, two, eight, and nine tells us is, is bogus. Um, so that's where it's important, right? I think is the attitude yeah. it gives you towards God. It, it's, you know what I mean for me, I think it's led to some of the most genuine worship mm. I've ever done. Yeah. Um, right, because it, it's it's truly coming from a place of thankfulness and appreciation, um, knowing that again. As great as I might and as capable as I might think of solving all these tiny problems in my own life, this is something I fundamentally was wholly unprepared and unequipped and unwilling to solve myself.
1: Um, yeah, that's such a good point. <laughs> so, I mean, I you were there for my first sermon. I've only preached two sermons. Uh, hopefully, I'll be invited back about? somewhere. we are talking about? This podcast a sermon every week. <laughs> Sometimes I do get on a soapbox and talk for quite a while, so yes. But the second one, I I went out, man, it and it was invigorating for me was I when I walked to the mic and I said, This sermon has no application points. I just want you to walk out of here loving God and having stirred affections for him. And that's exactly what this passage does for me. This wasn't the passage I was preaching. I was preaching the triumphal entry of Christ. But, man, like, just like what you said, like, man, this stirs our affections for Christ, that he would die for sinners who hate him. One other thing, and and I'm glad you shared a little bit about, like, your own uh, kind of, what's it called? Oh, my gosh, I'm forgetting the word. Like, your story. Well, yeah, but like from your own life. Yeah, I guess so. That's that's a trendy word for it. Uh, so I'll share a little bit from my own is that for a long time, I was eaten up by imperfection uh, in my life. And not even imperfection, but like real serious sins. And I just was thinking like, all right, I know I'm saved by grace. And yet I feel like not a Christian at all. I feel like I don't understand how to have assurance and still be a sinner. Like I, I just— I was wrecked by that. And that is where grace thrives, right? Grace thrives when you say, I have no means of assurance in my own life, but I do love God and I do want to serve him. Uh, Is What grace alone teaches us is that when we are looking for assurance, we find it not in fixing our works in our lives, but fixing our eyes on Christ. And yes, that is a kind of, Cool pastor saying, You're welcome. You get one every three months, or how long we've been doing this. But when you're looking for assurance, fixing your life won't help you. Fixing your eyes on Christ will. Um, and that's one thing that I've just, the most bountiful growth in my life has been focused on that is how do I preach the gospel to myself every day? How do I be a Christian? Well, I look at grace, I, I, I look at God. Uh, my pastor, who I'm just so grateful for at uh, in, in Wake Forest, um, so many of his sermons, we've been in the book of John for a while, uh, have ended, begun, or middled with look to Christ. He says it like, man, like, Christian, would you look to Christ? And I've never heard sweeter words out of a pastor's mouth than that. So, I, I guess that's one of the ways that it's affected my life. It's just the more I reflect in the grace, like Jay said, the more I love God, uh, the more I, I'm overjoyed by salvation. But also the more I understand how to have assurance when I'm weak, when I've failed, when I fall. Do you have another one, Jay? Um, I was going to say
0: yes. In fact, I do. Um, the awesome. idea of having an understanding, a right understanding of salvation in this case, particularly the, the function of grace in that salvation uh, is really important for things like evangelism. We, mm. as Christians, are commanded to do it. And when we seek to preach the gospel and, you know, hopefully bring people to know Christ, right? We, we, we It is important insofar as that what little element, which not, it really isn't, uh, it's, of our doing right but it's important to know what you're talking yeah. about and have a right view of what's going on right because yeah. um and understanding that it's through grace alone so that means it's not through the works of the person that you're talking to but also not your own works in what you necessarily what you it's not not what you say but you know I mean it's it's important to have the right words but ultimately we understand that it's god that's working and we are yeah we are the mouthpiece we are the the mechanism through which he works so there's kind of two two levels to it there right but i would say it's important again to understand that how salvation works in order to properly evangelize and bring mm-hmm. someone to salvation so
1: yeah that's why that's important no i i agree i think that's super important and that's uh that's something that i feel like might be missing you know With the emphasis on altar calls, praying a prayer, asking Jesus into your heart, none of those are are essentially bad. But is it possible that these have been means by which we've been pulled away from an idea of evangelism and salvation by grace alone? I think it's very possible. In some churches, in some lives, that has been the case. Um, I've got one more, and I don't know if you have any more, uh, but I'll pass it to you anyways, even when I'm done. But I just want to point out And again, this is something that I think most Christians know and most Christians accept, though there are some who don't, that if grace is the way we are saved and we are made alive, we are dead and we are made alive by God, then we can't kill ourselves again. If no works played into your salvation, then no work can play into your loss of salvation. There's far better arguments to undergird this. But I mean, at the end of the day, that's what we're going to say is it's by grace I'm saved. And so I, I can't unsave myself. Maybe I, you could argue logically that God could unsave me. He won't. I have promises in the Bible that he won't let me out of his hand, but I can't, I can't unsave myself because I didn't save myself. Uh, and I think that's an, such an important point is grace is our sur- assurance and our security. So, Jay, do you have any closing thoughts, maybe another one to contribute or something? Um, Not particularly on this yeah.
0: um, application piece, perhaps, but I was just going to kind of say, especially in conclusion, just the idea that, you know, for those out there listening particularly, maybe some things we've said today are, you know, ha- have brought up some thoughts, right? So I think, you know, if this is something you're not familiar with or not, uh, you never heard presented in this way, perhaps, I think there are some logical questions that might naturally stem, um, from again, just, Hey, well, if it's all by grace, why evangelize it all? Right. Um, something like that. All right. So again, if, if those are things that come to your mind, let us know, um, or yeah, please ask do. your pastor or ask, whoever right like um go to the bible uh, <laughs> um hopefully please. all the people you
1: ask will also go to the bible yes
0: um but yeah i mean it's, i think you know there there reasonably could be questions um like the one i mentioned yeah. right uh that's i don't think that and and don't let questions like this be can i think sometimes we think that questioning things about the faith are are sinful, inherently sinful Um, Mm -hmm. And I would say no, they're not, Um, you know, Mm -hmm. because especially when you are starting with the right foundation and you're understanding that the answer will come from the Bible,
1: then it's, you can't, you can't really go wrong. Uh, I guess you can, Uh, but. And you're, you're going to uncover more of the mercies and richness of God. And so that, that's a good uh, motive. And, you know, it's kind of coincidental that you mentioned that I, one thing that I've loved this podcast I got to say I mean this has just been a joy to do. I just love doing it. I wish only that we had more communication with listeners. So Apple podcast and analytics hasn't worked for me. I don't know how many people even listen. And and that doesn't really bother me. I don't I don't care about the numbers as much. But I I feel like Jay, we both have the heart of this is thoughtful Christianity. We want to help people think about things. And the best way to do that is to know what they're already thinking about. Uh, and so if you're a listener and and you've never written a question or even communicated with us at all, please go to reckonrighteous.org. I mean, that's the site that hosts our podcast. I mean, I, I run the site. So it's, it's basically me right now with some help from Jay and some others, uh, dear friends. But we would love to hear from you. I mean, this is not a one-way street, and we don't want it to be. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I'm so glad that you brought it up because I would love to hear from people who are listening, who have questions, who have oppositions. But in that vein, maybe a little teaser. Oh, yeah, next—that's right. We've actually received some. We have. Not through wreck and righteous, but through my friends. Which well, so, yeah. is yeah. I mean, don't means-
0: limit yourself in your avenues of communication. Many of you probably yeah. know us on a very personal <laughs> That's level. That's true. So just you know, text yeah, you us know or us. Facebook us or whatever. I'm not getting on definitely. Facebook, so it's toxic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and we've actually received a uh, request for an episode topic. So, Two. Oh, so we will be deviating slightly from your regularly scheduled programming this next week and I think we're gonna try and get back on Thursdays so
1: yeah uh so this next week let's just give him the teaser trailer Jay uh this is a really contentious time and there is a lot to be said about race and so next week we're not going to cover everything there's way too much we're just simply going to talk about what is race what is racism And and just kind of look at the groundwork of this. Hopefully I'm not over promising, but we're going to do our best to do what we do. And that is to think. So tune in next time for a, a conversation about racism.